0: hey everybody welcome to episode twenty three of the off the bench podcast. This is your host as always Sean Crowell and uh guys yesterday and uh Saturday. I was watching those divisional round games in the NFL playoffs and I can't remember four four better games of football especially in one weekend. Every single game was a walk-off. Uh you know, underdogs won three of them. They were tight games almost the all the way through. Guys, those were just some fantastic games. I got some thoughts on some of those games for you guys. I have some thoughts on uh some overtime rules and I know that's kind of a hot topic that everybody thinks about especially when a guy like Josh Allen doesn't get to touch the ball after the night that he had. Uh you know, and I want to get into some of that stuff with you guys today. As always, guys, I appreciate some retweets. I appreciate uh some follows. I appreciate uh some reposts. Definitely get in the bag and ask some questions, okay? Uh DM me. I would love to answer your questions. If you want to come on the pod, if you just uh, have questions that you want to ask or topics that you want to hear about, I love all that stuff, guys. I love all that stuff. And I'd be more than happy to to oblige with that one. Okay, let's get into it. All right, guys, I want to get into some of the overtime rules as far as the NFL playoffs are concerned. Now, guys, I'm in favor of changing the overtime rules, and I'll get into it why. I have several reasons here. If you disagree, that's okay. That's okay. Definitely just stay on and just tune in and just listen. Okay? Just listen to what I'm proposing here. Now, as far as, as, far as the regular season goes, I'm all for the tie. Okay, now now I want the game to be over in the regular season. There's 17 games. These guys have a long long season. I don't I don't need there to be, you know, an endless game where there's got to be a winner. Um now th- there can definitely be a tie in those regular season games, okay? So I'm I'm speaking specifically on post-season play. Now, when you have a game like last night, this becomes a, sort of a controversial topic again because You have a team like the Bills who they have the hottest quarterback that there might be other than the other sideline with Pat Mahomes, and he doesn't get a chance to touch the ball because the Chiefs win the toss. Okay, so it's it's really a difficult thing. Now, Chiefs fans know all about this because in the 2018 AFC championship game against the Patriots, they lost the coin toss in overtime and the rest is history. Tom Brady went down, scored a touchdown and won the Super Bowl two weeks later. Okay guys, so the Chiefs, you know, they, they I guess, asked to change the rule that off season. So after they lost that game to the Pats, they opted to change the rule and it got shot down. Okay, so I actually don't think that this rule will change. I really don't. I don't think they'll change it. Um, the NFL, it's a TV show. Okay. So as long as the ratings are up, they don't really feel the need to change stuff. I got a couple of reasons here. Okay. Why I think that they need to change the overtime rules. Okay. And something caught my ear last night. So when they're going out for the coin toss, uh, you know, Josh Allen was out there last night, a couple of chiefs players, I think it was Butker, their kicker and somebody else, uh, something caught my ear, the way that the refs spoke. He said, we are starting a new game. Those were his exact words, that we are starting a new game. Okay, and that's what he said. And I think that's important. It's an important distinction between we are starting a sudden death period or we are starting one quarter. That's not what he said. He said, we are starting a new game, is what he said. Does a new game finish when one team scores a touchdown last night it was the beginning of a new game at the very very start of the game first quarter and the bills scored a touchdown first first touchdown of the game bills scored a beautiful drive converted a few fourth fourth downs i think their touchdown was a fourth down even and they scored a touchdown that was the start of a new game so does is the game over because they scored well no of course not you have a whole new game left Well, why would the refs say we are starting a whole new game at the start of the overtime period if one touchdown means the game is over, okay? So I think the NFL, they need to change the wording on that a little bit because it's misleading. And so when he says we're starting a new game, that means we're starting a new game, but they obviously weren't, okay? Because that's not how the rules work. I hear this a lot too, okay? I hear this a lot. Well, the Bills had a chance to win in regulation. I hear that a lot. I don't don't even get that. This isn't regulation anymore. This is an overtime period. It doesn't even make sense. The Bills had a chance to win in regulation, and they didn't get it done. So now the Chiefs win the toss, and then they win the game? Well, that doesn't make sense, because the Chiefs, they had a chance to win the game in regulation, and they couldn't. They couldn't win the game in regulation. That's why we're in an overtime period. So I hear that all the time. The Bills had a chance to win in regulation, so they shouldn't care. Well, the Chiefs also had a chance to win in regulation, and they couldn't win it either. No, duh. That's why we're in overtime. So why why does that matter? Regulation was regulation. This is overtime. Regulation is come and gone, and we couldn't decide a winner. That's why there's overtime. So I, I just don't... I've never understood... The Bills had a chance to win in regulation. Well, so did the Chiefs. They scored with like a minute left and they were up and then they just let the Bills score again. You know, so just because the Chiefs get a ball, get the ball and go score at the end and win in overtime, that means, you know, the Bills have to suffer because the Bills had a chance to win in regulation and they couldn't. Well, the Chiefs also had a chance to win in regulation. I've never really understood that argument. You know, this is not regulation anymore. This is an overtime period. That is, that's honestly one of my least favorite arguments that people make as to why we, you know, we should keep the overtime period the same as it is. They had a chance to win in regulation. Well, yeah, so did the other team, but the other team had an opportunity to get the ball in overtime and one team didn't. Do you see how that's not fair, right? And this is my next point. Okay. Now people say, well, you know, the league's not fair. Life isn't fair. So that's, that's just what we're coming to. Life isn't fair is honestly a really good outlook on things. Because it really isn't. Life isn't fair, right? That's a good outlet on things, outlook on things when there's no, no good solution. That's when that's a good saying. That's when that's something to think about. When there's no good solution, that's a reason to think life isn't fair. But there is a good solution. And saying life isn't fair doesn't work out in this scenario because the NFL is the ultimate league of parody, right? I saw a tweet from somebody, I can't remember who it was. They said the league is fair. That is the league. If you have the worst record in the league, then you get first pick in the draft. You are first in the waiver order. You pick first in the draft every single round if you have the worst record. That's how these things go right? That's how the draft works. If you are uh, last year, say last year, you had the worst record amongst your division. Now you go get to play three other games, two against the same conference and one against the opposite conference against teams that also finished in last place last year, right? It's the league of parity. We are all about fair in the NFL. Everybody has a fair shot. Okay, that's what the league is. That makes it so it's hard to have a dynasty, right? The Patriots dynasty is really an outlier because they're picking last in the draft for 20 years. Okay, and they had to play a first place schedule for 20 years. Okay, so that's why dynasties don't really happen in the NFL. They don't really happen because this league is built on parity. But all of a sudden in the playoff game, and the biggest game of the year, now we just throw parity out the window. Now, if you leave it to a coin toss, that's not fair because that's 100% pure chance when you could just give both teams an opportunity to have the ball. This is really what I believe is the driving force. Now, I mentioned earlier, the NFL is a TV show, right? And that's something we always need to keep in mind. The NFL is a TV show, okay? I, I was hanging out, you know, quick sidebar, I was hanging out with my brother and my dad, you know, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about Antonio Brown and his exit from the Bucks. You know, when they were playing New York, he takes off his shirt. He's, you know, jumping around, jumping jacks in the end zone. And they were laughing, you know, and I said, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I wouldn't touch this guy if I were another team. And both of them said, oh, he's going to get another shot. And they think that because the NFL is a TV show. And it's really hard to argue with that. This guy equals ratings. Antonio Brown is crazy. Too many guys in this league are really high-level, positive guys who are just, you know, they're not, they're not flashy. They're not going to do a whole ton. That's really what the NFL is. That's like 95% of the league is a bunch of guys who just, they do what they're supposed to do. They're high-level, mature guys, and you don't really hear from them. They're just flying under the radar, doing what they do but you got to have that 5% to shake things up, right? That's Antonio Brown. They both think Antonio Brown's going to get another shot because this is ultimately a television product. And it's really hard to argue with that. Okay, so back to, it's a television product. So that's why, that's exactly why they need to change this overtime rule. Because what, what viewer, what spectator last night, other than the Chiefs, fans did not want to see Josh Allen get the ball at the end of the game with a chance to tie it in the overtime. Everybody wanted to see that. Everybody wanted to see that. And ultimately, this is a TV show. The NFL wants to create the best TV show possible. Is that not a better TV show? If last night after Travis Kelsey catches that touchdown pass in overtime, is it not a better TV show if we get butt kicker kicking it off to the Bills? And we see Josh Allen with the ball one more time. Four downs to go the whole way down the field. That is you're telling me that's not a better TV show? That is better in every single way. Now I don't think the overtime rules should be should be the way they are. Right, That doesn't make sense. I'm arguing they should be different. I I mean, they should not be the whole length of the field. I think that they should be more like college overtime rules. Now, I've heard this before. I've heard that the college overtime rules are hokey. That they're kind of silly. You know, you get the ball at the 25. There's no special teams. It's not a true reflection of the game. I've heard people compare them to PKs in soccer. Guys, that's where I draw the line. Okay, now there is special teams in the college overtime period, you have kicks. You have the opportunity for kickers to make their kicks and for defenses to scheme something up and try and block a kick. Okay, so there is special teams. Now there's no kickoffs and there's no punts, but there is a portion of special teams in this period. But saying they're like PKs in soccer is absolutely ludicrous. PKs in soccer, they don't reflect hardly anything that the game looks like. If you go and watch a soccer game and you go and watch PKs, PKs almost look like some sort of minigame in Mario Party. That's literally what they remind me of. It's like a Mario Party side quest minigame is what PKs are like. Guys, the college overtime period still resembles what a football game looks like. In fact, it's the most important part of what a football game is between the 20s. We argue, you know, teams move the ball all they want, but what's the most important part of an offense and a defense in doing their job? It's how they hold up in the red zone and in the extended red zone, 30-yard line and in. That is what the college overtime period is. It is the most crucial, most important most difficult to execute, most important to execute part of a football game. Now, I you know, I'm not sure you can make it the exact same. I think teams should have to go for two just about every time. You know, I'm not proposing necessarily that I have all the answers. But what I'm saying is some of the answers that are presentable are better than our current options. Okay, so I don't think they're gonna change it, but they should, and I just presented why. All right, guys, I, uh, I've i done this before. I'm going to play a little game with you guys. I'm going to call it right and wrong. Uh, and I am I am definitely stealing this directly from a guy I listened to, uh, the famous Colin Coward. He does uh, a segment just like this. He says, you know, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. I'm just going to call it right and wrong. And yes, I am directly stealing it. Um, so I'm going to just I'm going to be honest with you guys. OK, so there's some things on here that I haven't necessarily said on the pod, but I I have said them to people or I've just really thought them in the past. Okay, and the, there's some right things and there's some wrong things. So I'm not just sitting here saying, you know, I was right about this, I was right about this, you know, when I never said it or anything because there's I'm I'm going to name things that I've never said that I've been wrong about. Okay, so you're just going to have to trust me. Okay, we're going with the honesty policy here. Um, and I am going to start I'm going to start with a right and then and then go wrong and we'll just go every other, okay guys. Um you know I w- one thing that I was right on. And I said this to my friend, you know, Marcelo and me were watching the game the other day. I think this was just after the second half. You know, I I said I said to Marcelo, I really think the Packers have been hurt by their own home field advantage. And the reason I say that is because they they have a quarterback with an absolute rocket of an arm. And they make him play in five degrees. You know, it was like zero degrees at, at, at kickoff or something like that. And so that is, that is the biggest advantage that the Packers have is this quarterback with just an absolute cannon for an arm. And he can't, you know, he, it reduces him. Is he going to play better in the cold than somebody like Jimmy G, who has a weaker arm? Yeah, yeah, but ultimately it's an advantage, a huge advantage for the Packers if they just play it, you know, in a dome or in some warm weather. They have a huge advantage with the way that, Pat, uh, you know, uh, Rodgers can sling the rock. But when they both play in zero degrees, it's like both of their, that, that advantage is, is sort of leveled out. So it's not nearly as big of an advantage. Now, you know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. We've seen Rodgers in the playoffs before when he is not at Lambeau. And sometimes it doesn't look very good. And that's true. Okay, that's true. So it, what I'm what I'm saying is not that he would win every single playoff game if it was some at neutral site or, you know, if they had a dome in, the, in Green Bay or anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that their great advantage that they normally have in the regular season is It's kind of deterred with the terrible weather that they always get when they play in January. You know, it's always like five degrees whenever they play there. It's crazy. I was wrong on Von Miller. Guys, when they traded for Von Miller, the Rams, I thought it was too much. And it's not because Von's not a great player. He is a great player. But they traded a second round pick for Von Miller. Normally, you expect a second round pick to be like a long term starter for you. That is your goal when you're picking in the second round. I said that's not a good move because, yeah, he might be able to make a play here or there. But it's like, I didn't think they were going to make it this far anyway. And he's been a huge reason to why they've made it this far. Von Miller had an outstanding game on Sunday versus the Bucks. They couldn't block him. He had an outstanding game versus, you know, the, who did they play? The Cardinals in the first round. So Von Miller is clearly paying dividends for this team. I just didn't think it would be worth a second round pick. It, you know, right now it's postseason time. This is where we cash in, and this is paying off for them. Okay, so I was wrong about that. My thinking was just uh, a second round pick. You're hoping that a second round pick, you're going to take him. He's going to be a solid starter. You're going to sign him to a, another contract with you, a contract extension after three or four years or whatever. And clearly, that's not going to be the the case with Von Miller. But. Ew. Who am I? Who am I, man? This is working. Uh, something I was right about was Tyreek Hill, guys. Uh, you know, it it happened when DK Metcalf. I don't even know if I spoke this out, but when DK ran the hundred and he ran a ten three, you know, I said, you know, Tyreek Hill would run faster. Um, and I, I'm not even sure that's necessarily some hot take. I think most people would probably agree that Tyreek Hill would run faster. But, you know, and it's not even like we've seen him run 100. So it's not even like I'm guaranteed that I'm right. But after watching him just outrun defenders, these are NFL defensive backs. They are the fastest people. They Not not in the world, of course, because you have sprinters, but they are close to the fastest people in the world. They're like second tier, and Tyreek Hill makes them just look like they're slow. And what I thought, what I've been thinking is that Tyree Kill is basically an Olympic sprinter that is untrained. An untrained Olympic sprinter who just trained to play football his whole life. That's what Tyree Kill is. And you stick him out on the field, and he's way faster than some of the most athletic people in the world. Okay, guys, something I was wrong about, and I know this one was on the pod. I I mean my words on this one. Jamar Chase, I, I said I said that the Bengals should not draft this guy. And, and my thinking was you cannot draft a receiver when the Bengals' O-line is so bad. But it doesn't matter. They are so bad. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and they still won because they have guys like Jamar Chase on the team. You know, I, I said it doesn't matter that he's going to be wide open downfield when Joe Burrow's laying on his back. Well, the truth is... Joe Burrow launches it to Jamar Chase as he's getting hit in the chest and driven into the ground, and he just pops back up. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Their O-line is so bad, I said you have to draft Penn Sewell. You have to draft him over Jamar Chase. They didn't listen to me, and they made the correct decision. So that's twice now that I've tried to play GM, and I was just clearly wrong. So I this is this was my thinking. You cannot draft Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow just snapped his knee. You gotta get him some protection. Apparently it doesn't matter, because he can get sacked nine times and they can still win. Something I was right about, guys. I was right about Odell Beckham Jr. And not that, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not Team Odell or whatever. I'm I'm not really vibing with all that. But what I was right about is the fact that he can still be a very, very productive wide receiver in the NFL. Okay, I was just looking at the Browns and just the way they are trying to utilize him. And it just didn't make any sense. Okay, and Baker was playing bad and he didn't want to be there. And I was just like, dude and some people were saying he's washed and i was like this man is not washed and it's like i was looking around the league and i'm like look at all these wide receivers who are so productive there's no way that obj couldn't be one of those guys there's just no way that he couldn't be as productive as some of these second tier wide receivers who are getting big time numbers and it turns out you get him a confident a, a competent quarterback and a you know a really good scheme guy, and you make him a number two to Cooper Cup, and the guy's elite. He's paying absolute dividends for this Rams team, and it's going really well for him. So I was definitely right about OBJ, um, guys. What I was wrong about, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm still kind of fighting on this one. Okay, guys, but something that I was wrong about, I said that offensive coaches are not as important, or not uh, more important, I should say, they're not more important than defensive coaches. Uh, You know, right now I'm looking at the final four teams that are left. Okay, guys, and they're all offensive head coaches. So right now I'm going to have to eat my words on that. I'm going to have more on this. Actually, I have a segment that's kind of brewing. I'm going to have more on this my next podcast. Okay, guys, talking offensive versus defensive coaches. Right now, though, it appears I'm wrong. Because all four guys who are left are offensive coaches, uh, and you know two of them are brilliant, and, and I'd say three actually. Uh, you know I don't know about Zach Taylor. Uh, you know I think I gotta give him his credit, but it's like I don't know. I feel like I give more credit to Burrow. But we've seen Andy Reid all these years, e- even without Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know the way that Sean McVay calls plays. He's clearly an elite head coach, and and same with Shanahan. The runs that he comes up with, I watched him run fullback trap the other night against Green Bay. And just ask yourself, when's the last time you saw fullback trap in the NFL? This is not 1987 anymore. This is 2022, where if you don't throw the ball a hundred times, Twitter thinks you're stupid. Okay, but Kyle Shanahan still somehow finds a way to utilize a fullback and make him extraordinarily valuable. Okay, so guys, I'm going to have to eat my words on this one. You know, maybe offensive coaches are better. I'm still, you know, I'm still questionable on that. You know, there's, there's 19 offensive coaches, head coaches in the NFL this year. Okay, and some of them got fired, uh, you know, whatever. But there was 19 this year. There was only 11 defensive head coaches. Okay, and two there's two special teams head coaches. It was Joe Judge and, um, you know, Harbaugh. Okay, so guys, this idea that, you know, offensive head coaches are just so much more valuable. You know, I, right now it appears I'm wrong. I'm gonna I'm just going to have to eat it. I'm wrong on this one, but we'll see. We'll see. It's yet. So I'm really not admitting defeat. So that's kind of me being stubborn. Guys, and the one thing that I was right about, this last one here, is is the Lakers, just their lack of diversity. And I talked about this in, I think, episode 21. I talked about how the Lakers just... They have all the same players. Their players are all the same. And it's just like, dude, I don't know who decided to construct a team in such a way. They won the championship playing an amazing defense. That's how they won it, guys. LeBron was an elite defender. And then you had Anthony Davis was an elite defender. Probably should have been the DPOY and then you had Caruso was playing elite perimeter defense and so was KCP and it's like they get rid of KCP and Caruso I don't know why Caruso wanted to stay you know he said the Bulls are offering me this I want to stay with the Lakers just offer me the same amount or even a little bit less and and they just said no just go to the Bulls I don't get it I don't get it man they just let him go they signed a bunch of players they're all the same you know, Carmelo, uh, LeBron. It's like AD. Then you got you know Russ. They're all like mid-range, ball-centric, attack the lane type of guys. That's what they all are. So it's like the way they won the title a couple of years ago. They're just they're not like that at all. Then they have this defensive head coach. And he, I honestly think he's really good, and he's good with big men, but now 80 doesn't want to play the five, and they got rid of all their good big men, and it's like, now they have Howard, and Howard was playing great a couple years ago, I don't know about now, and I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. They they have all the same players, guys. This is not how a team is supposed to be constructed. Okay, and you look at the way the Suns were constructed, you know, now and he, last year specifically when they were in the, um, you know, in the finals, it's like you have the aging point guard who hits the mid range and can distribute. And then you have just pretty much the strict score in Devin Booker and he can score at all three levels. And it's like you don't need Chris Paul to take over the team. Because man, that's what you have Booker for. He can just handle most of the scoring. So you just have Chris to to be your leader, and he can just distribute. And then you have your traditional big man and Aiton, and he just he gobbles up the rebounds, and you know he can score in the post, and he's good that way. Then you have your really good three point shooters and like Bridges, and I don't know. They got a couple other guys I can't think of off the top of my head, and it's like they all pretty much all of them play solid defense. And it's like, man, they just have a really sound team, just the way they're constructed. And it's like the Lakers, they're just like, they're all the same, okay, guys? And they look terrible. They have way too much talent. LeBron's playing at like an MVP level, and they're like under 500 or something like that. So guys, I can't, the Lakers, they just give me a headache, man. They just give me a headache. So many teams are just so much better constructed than they are. So guys that that's my, you know, right and wrong little spiel there. Yeah, you know, I you know, I, I'm sure there's more. There's definitely more that I'm wrong about. Uh probably maybe some more that I'm right about if I scrounge and really search super hard. But um yeah, that's what I got for you guys today. Guys, you know, I I got the off the bench MVP here today, and this one's got to go to Gabriel Davis. Um, And this really was not even all that close, guys. He absolutely dominated the game. You know, Gabe Davis, he's a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. And the more I was watching him last night, the more I thought to myself, you know, I'm like, I don't even know if this guy starts for them. And so I looked up, you know, their starting lineup, and he doesn't. He does not start for them. Guys, so their starting lineup for for wide receivers, you know, goes Stephon Diggs, then Emmanuel Sanders, and then third is Cole Beasley. Okay, so Gabe Davis, he is off the bench, guys. He had four touchdown catches in a playoff game, most of all time. He had 201 yards receiving. Guys, so his his average catch was 40 yards. He had that super long one, the 75-yard touchdown that was just one play. That was like, you know, they had four plays in the third quarter, and that was one of them. Another one was a three and out. So it's like, dude, this guy absolutely went off. I feel bad for him that they lost. The guy won all of his matchups, put his team in a position to win. And, you know, the defense, they couldn't pull it out. You know, they couldn't get a stop with 13 seconds. And, you know, over time, we know what happened there. But guys, Gabe Davis absolutely deserves this. He does not start for the Buffalo Bills. And after that performance, that's just insane to think about. And, you know, I don't know all their contract situations there with the Bills wide receivers. Um, You know, obviously he gets time. So it's not like he never, you know, sees the field. Because they do go 10 personnel. They do rotate receivers and whatnot. So he he obviously sees the field. But it's like, dude, this guy, he should not be, you know, he, he should be starting. It's just insane what he was able to do last night. Gabriel Davis is your off the bench MVP. All right, guys. Like I said at the beginning, uh, you know, I always appreciate a retweet. Uh, I appreciate you guys getting back to me, contacting me, whatever it is. Um, But other than that, guys, that's basically all I have for you. You know, I hope you guys enjoyed these games. I hope you guys enjoyed the pot. But um, yeah, you guys have a good one.